Hi everybody, my name is Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. It's so good to be with you. I've been pondering during this past week what love really does. And when you look out in this audience today and throughout our gatherings, we're a bit sparse. And it's because love has been doing something this week. So many, and you just prayed for it, have gone on to Mexico. And it's wild to think, when I think of my years here at PCC, what love has done. And I'm amazed by it. There's, there's little things, the amount of people that have worked in children's ministry forever. That's what love does. And then there's also then what I've seen love do when it comes to people just loving on people who have specific needs. And many of that, we could tell stories amongst each other where somebody has done something for you because you just simply had a need. And so this concept of love doing something, I think is alive and well here at PCC. That's part of where I'm proud and excited to be a part of this community. What's also incredible to me though is what love doesn't do. Can anybody relate to that? You know, we have these cups today. and Make sure you have a cup during this time. I hope you got one when you came in. And the reality with these cups uh, is the following. We want you to ponder what love does and is doing, and this being a symbol of it. Because what I'm amazed by sometimes is that love doesn't. (laughs) Isn't it true? It just doesn't. And here we have this opportunity where I believe that God, and we're going to hear more about this today, is endlessly pouring love into our hearts, and we kind of tap it off. And we have this love, and we don't do anything with it. It's stagnant. Janet mentioned uh, the book by Bob Goff, and he has a quote that I want you to hear, uh, because it's interesting. He says in, that love should never be stationary. Love is never stationary. In the end, love just doesn't keep thinking about it or planning for it. Simply put, love does. And I'm guilty of that. Are you guilty of that? Are you guilty of holding back the love you have? There's this passage, and when we bring this passage up, a lot of people go, oh, that passage. And it's called the love passage. A lot of people refer to it as the wedding love passage. And I think we've kind of put it in the back burner and be like, oh, that's kind of fluffy love. But in the end, I think this passage is the core passage of what love does and how love is defined. And so let's just look at this for a moment. Look what it says love does. It says love is patient. It says love is kind. It says it does not envy. It says it does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It says it's not self-seeking. It says it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. It says love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres. Oof, that's tough love. Huh? Literally, that is hard hard love. Now I get why love doesn't. Isn't it interesting? It was phrased like that in the Bible. Here's how not to do love. Now, I need you to get involved with this love right now. Will you get your fingers out? Come on, play with me. We'll get tactile. 
God has given you these fingers to remember about love. We taught this even to our kids. You might not memorize it, but I want you to, when you look at your fingertips this week and visualize your cup, I want you to ponder, is love doing anything through me? And so let's remember, let's start with our right thumb. Love is patient. Love is kind. This one's a tough one. Love does not envy. Welcome to the Bay Area. (laughs) Woo! Does somebody have something you wish you had? Oh, yeah. Does not envy. All right? Envy can be a tough one. What What does love go on to say? Does not envy, does not boast, is not proud. How about this one? Love is not rude. Welcome to America. This is the one I struggle with the most, this next one. It is not self-seeking. Sometimes the love you see come from me, if you really took a taste of that love, it's toxic. It looks like love. It looks like a stream of love. You might even say, oh, it looks like a stream of love flowing from God right through Brian and out. But it's toxic because it's self-seeking at the heart of it. How about this next one? Love is not easily angered. Notice the positioning of which finger this showed up on. (laughs) Think about that. God knew when he laid out this passage where your fingers would end up. Most of us have 10 fingers. Love does not easily anger. How about this next one? Next one, does not keep a record of wrong. You heard the quote by Bob Goff. The visual's this. Sometimes my love stinks like a swamp when it needs to be this overflowing reservoir that comes from God. Do you see it? Sometimes my love stinks and I have somehow clogged up the source and it's not flowing and I've put a lid on it and I won't let any of it out When meanwhile, it's supposed to be this endless flow that comes from this endless source into me and then pours out. It's key to remember that why doesn't this happen? Well, don't condemn yourself. It happens where our love gets limited and we become swamp-like because we're human. You're just guilty of being human. And it happens because We haven't tapped into the unlimited source of love. Our love is limited. His love is limitless. We haven't tapped into that love. This is love of another kind that we've got to really re-look at today before we can even consider what love does. So I'm not asking you to do anything today with your love. I'm asking you today, will you ponder your love and the love that God wants to fill your cup with? I want us to start there because in order for us to do something with our love and be called to do something with our love and be people where love really does something, we've got to have this love of another kind in us because this is what we're going to be called to in the next couple weeks, to embrace orphans, to empower the poor, to reject racism, to love the lonely, to love courageously, to empower children, to change our marriages with this love, 
to unleash generosity. That's impossible with the love of our kind, isn't it? But with the love of another kind, oh, it's possible. So I want us to stop and view something first. I want you to hear from a guy named Brennan Manning, who was a former priest, he was a recovering addict, who went on just to talk and travel and write about the love of God. I think we need a fresh perspective on this source. I think we need to relook at it. For the first time, for many of us, this might be, wow, that's the love of God. For others, you'd be like, yes, that is the love of God I remembered. So will you take a look at this audio video and I want you to tell me when it's over what struck you. Take a look. The compassion of Jesus is the compassion of Almighty God. And Jesus says to your heart and mind tonight, don't ever be so foolish as to measure my compassion for you in terms of your compassion for one another. Don't ever be so silly as to compare your thin, pallid, wavering, moody, dependent on smooth circumstances, human compassion with mine, for I am God as well as man. When you read in the Gospels that Jesus was moved with compassion, it is saying his gut was wrenched, his heart torn open, the most vulnerable part of his being laid there. The ground of all being shook, the source of all life trembled, the heart of all love burst open, and the unfathomable depths of the relentless tenderness was laid bare. Your Christian life and mine don't make any sense unless in the depth of our beings we believe that Jesus not only knows what hurts us, but knowing seeks us out, whatever our poverty, whatever our pain. His plea to his people is come now wounded, frightened, angry, lonely, empty, and I'll meet you where you live. And I love you as you are, not as you should be because you're never going to be as you should be. Do you really believe this? That with all the wrong turns you made in your past, the mistakes, the moments of selfishness, dishonesty, and degraded love, do you really believe that Jesus Christ loves you? Not the person next to you, not the church, not the world, but that he loves you beyond worthiness and unworthiness, beyond fidelity and infidelity that he loves you in the morning sun and the evening rain without caution, regret, boundary, limit, no matter what's gone down, he can't stop loving you. This is the Jesus of the Gospels. And this is the love of another kind that we have to tap into for love to do its overflowing work for, through us. What did you like about that? What struck you about that? Give me your thoughts on that. I really liked, I was struck by. That he loves me as I am, not how I should be. Loves me as I am, not as I, as I should be. What else struck you? It's relentless tenderness. How does that go together? Somebody else. It's overpowered by. How about the fact that we, he doesn't love us how we view love? Isn't it amazing? We have this concept of what love is, but he is this concept that is so much broader. And that's where we end up in our text today. Uh, it was read, can you go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 again? 
And let's look at this love of another kind. And let's first look at something we do know about it, but I hope you see it differently this time. This love of another kind is the kind of love that comes from God. You may know that, but I hope you see it in a different way today. Look what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, I didn't do very well in logic class in college. And it made me mad because logic seems like it's supposed to be logical. And it made me question, was I not intelligent? Can anybody relate to that? Now, the truth is, when I read John, 1 John chapter 4, it gets a little twisted for me because it seems like they're always saying the same thing in a different way and I can get lost in it all. And then I go, this is simple, like logic class, right? And it is. Because look what it says. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. In essence, he's saying, I'm going to help you do this. I'm going to pour this love out into your hearts. And so don't tap it. Let it overflow and touch everyone and everything around you. Just let it flow. But he says this, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. But then it says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. There's some prerequisites to being able to overflow and to do what love does. Because remember, in our human capacity, we have limits. And it starts with this. You've been born again. We've all been born once through our moms in that amazing, miraculous way. But he's acknowledging, unless you truly have been born again by acknowledging the cross and what's been done for you, you, you can't even tap this love. And then it says, those who love are born again and they know God. It actually says knows God. That means an ongoing knowing. So there's really three reasons why we don't love well. We're human. We actually haven't been born again and, and fully acknowledged the Son of God. And then third, this is where I am at most of the time. I don't stay connected with the ongoing relationship with God. So if you have a loving problem, you really have a connection problem. Can you relate to that? I can relate to that. And here's what's wild. God really only wants two things from us. He just wants to relate with us and then have us love other people. That is the entire goal of life. Isn't that wild? And he wants to help us do that. And when you don't do it, he's not even down on you for not doing it. He just wants to help you do it more than less. That's the kind of God we have. But I don't know if that's how we view God. And then how about the last line where it says, God is love. And here's the question for you today. Do you really believe that God is love? Do you? We got some murmuring that agree. But some of us actually don't believe this based on how our life has gone, on maybe even people in our life and how they haven't loved us and we project that on God. But will you give me a moment where we just go into 
a deeper understanding of maybe what God's love is like? Because when I think of God's love, this is what I think about. I think of these two pictures on the screen. The first one is someone looking over the ocean into the heavens, and it reminds me of the enormity of how much God has love for us. The enormity, how it's endless, and it just has to be tapped through acknowledging the Son of God and relying on his Spirit to experience it. And it reminds me of the passage in Psalm 36, 5 that says, your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. It reaches to the heavens. And sometimes it takes me back to the enormity of God's love. It takes me back to when I was a kid at the ocean. We'd go to the ocean every summer, and from the ages of 5 to 11, it was probably the best. Because I'm 5 to 11, I'm at the East Coast Ocean. And my job when we went to the ocean was to be the water boy. Because my sister and my mom would make these elaborate sandcastles and sand figures, like they'd make a big fish, as big as from here to there. And they knew what would happen. Usually I'd fall in it, I'd run through it. So they'd give me a task. They'd be like, you're the water boy. We need lots of water to mold this thing and to put a moat around it. Can you go get us water? And I would take my Pennsylvania plastic bucket that we brought from PA, and I would go into the enormity of the ocean, and I'd bring it out. And it was endless. There was just endless supply of water. And at some point, I'd take my bucket, and I'd put it in. The plastic handle would rip off because it was so enormous. So then I'd carry my bucket, and I'd bring it back, and I'd pour it out. And then I'd go back again, and I'd grab my bucket, and I'd hold it like this, and then it would crack in half because it was the enormity of the water pushing against it. And then I would walk back with it unflowing or overflowing and dripping all down me, and I'd come back with a trickle, and I'd put it in. God's love is enormous. And that shore would then always get hit by the waves. And after a while, that big thing that my mom made, it didn't matter how much big the moat was, it would get washed out. And this is the love of God, that it's beating and banging against our hearts and wanting to soften our perspective and soften our hearts and soften our perspective. And it wants to crack and break down and just flood us. That's how enormous it is. If you don't believe me, that God is yearning to bring his love towards you, let's go to the exact center of the Bible. Will you go to Psalm 117? Psalm 117, if you count up all the Psalms, all the chapters throughout the entire Bible, and there's thousands of them, Psalm 117 is the exact middle of the entire Bible. So at the core of the Bible, the message says this in Psalm 117.2, for great is his love towards us. Isn't that awesome that that is the central message of it? His love is great towards us. The great Moses knew this. The psalmist knew this. Paul knew this. They wrote about the great love and mercy of our God. And they want us to know this. So his love is enormous. It's also really customized. I'm giving you these illustrations because if you don't have your own illustration about the love of God, your love that's within you 
might be very limited. But if you can tap into your own illustration of, yeah, the love of God is like this to me, I believe the love will rise in you and understanding and it'll flow out of you more and more and more. The love of God in me is also like one of these crazy, high-tech, specialized, fascinating soda machines. Have you seen one? When my boys see one of these, it's as if we've gone to heaven. (laughs) They're 14 and 11, and they can't wait to get their cup, and they want the biggest cup possible. We never let them get the biggest cup. And in the end, when they get there, they dial up exactly what they want, and it's disgusting. Root beer and lemonade and orange soda, and then I watch them drink it, and they smile, and it pours into them as if it was customized love just for them. Have you been in a place where you needed the customization of the love of God? Were you in a place, you were at a point in life where you needed it to touch you in a specific way, and it did? Maybe you're there now and you need it. I believe it's possible. I do believe it's possible. What I love about the soda machine, it even has it customized for me. I don't drink soda. And I like a little bit more than water when I go out. And when you go to the typical machines, they have that broken water lever somewhere on the row and you have to hunt for it and you're really not sure if you're not going to get like limeade when you push it or you're going to get true water. But when you go to that one, just like there's been times when I truly need the love of God, I dial it up and they have club soda. And I put it in my cup and it just feels and flows like it knew exactly what I needed. That is what the love of God is like. But we limit it to some understanding of our own. And so what pours into our hearts is a bit of a trickle when it's enormous and it's customized. I love in Zephaniah, the customization is clarified when it says in Zephaniah 3.7, write down Z3.17. Zephaniah 3.17, that God delights in us. He actually delights in us. Do you believe that? What's your illustration? If you had to say the love of God is like, I've been asking this all morning, been interesting answers. A dog was one of them. A river. What is it for you? The love of God is like somebody. Sunshine. Sunshine. The love of God is like Fresh linens. Oh, the love of God is like flannel sheets. Oh, yes. I don't know if your, sheet, your fresh linens are uh, flannel, but that, that is a good feeling, flannel sheets. Come on, the love of God is like the scent of vanilla. Or what? Yes, someone said it's like a box of chocolate earlier this morning. The love of God is like an unending smile, and I'll add, towards you. That's good. A mother's touch. The love of, you, I'm trying to get us out of our head because the line says God is love. Duh. All right? We know that. But do we know that? And does it do something to us in our body that we know that? The love of God is what? The answer. The answer. Yes. Yes.
The passage goes on and tells us that this love of another kind, which we have to have in order for love do what it needs to do through us, besides it coming from God, it's a very sacrificial love. And we need to remember that. It is a sacrificial love. And let's see what it says in this passage, verse 9. And this is how God showed his love. And just stop right there. That love that's described right there, that love, that's not this friendship love, buddy-to-buddy love. It's not this eros-connected, oh my gosh, I love you and want to be with you love. This is the love. There's three types of love in the New Testament. They're always, des- they're always described just as love. But when you look at what's in this love, it says this is how God showed his sacrificial love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that, he might, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is agape love. This is sacrificing love. This is love that hits us when it's undeserved, when it's unmerited, when we haven't earned it. It's the just because I love you love. This love is hard to give out, isn't it? This is why we need a love of another kind. Who is it that's shown you this love? Can you relate again? Somebody said a mother's touch, so yes, moms do it. Who has shown you the love of God so that you know you have seen that type of love? Does somebody have an example? Just a flower when it blooms, that's a sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The seed flowing from that. What's that? Who's that? Family, yes. Family has shown him the love of God. Who has shown you the love of God? Stephen Minister. I think about it in my own life. I think of my wife, who was my girlfriend at one point. She showed me undeserved love. If I was her father and knew my track record, I would have said, run. Run. Find other love. But she showed me undeserving love. She showed me forgiving love. She took a risk and sacrificed to love me. That's what love's like. It takes sacrifice. This other kind of love is the kind of love we got to rely on. Look what it says in the final passages. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Did you hear that? It'll be made complete if we do this. God is yearning for us to be humans who are in relationship with him, being poured out into so that then we can pour out and the love of God is seen. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us his spirit. And, we've been, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. We love because he first loved us. Now again, it gets a little nutty in this passage. It all seems like it's saying, what? And this is where my logic class starts to cause me craziness. 
But it is this logical. He's saying this, since God loved us, we should love. Don't be hypocritical. He is so much enormity and customized love for you. Let me pour it out to you and then will you overflow with it for others? Because this is how I'll be seen. But then remember what he says. This will only happen. You can only untap this source of unlimited love so you can do all that love does is and supposed to do in you if you what? If you acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, it opens up. And then, if you rely on my spirit. So there's two things that have to happen in order for love to do its thing through us. We have to acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and let that love pour in us and then rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us in loving people. It has to happen this way. Acknowledge and rely. And we have to be willing to really try to do this. My wife says to me the other day, you're being harsh. And right there, I knew I was in trouble, and I knew I was mad. And I was double mad. I was mad at her for bringing it up, and I was mad at me for actually being harsh. She wasn't even saying I was being harsh to her. I was being harsh to our son. What had happened? I'd put a limit on how much love I was going to show my son because he was bugging me. Anyone relate? I bug people. We bug each other. We're flawed human people. So I tapped it, and I was only willing to give this much love. And I don't even know if any came out. And I had to acknowledge, you're right. As we drove to school, I apologized to my son, and I said, I'm sorry for being harsh, son. Will you forgive me? I'm not even sure he was bothered by it. Sad part is, he might think, that's how you always treat me, Dad. Okay? That's kind of scared me more than the other. But in the end, I had to rely on the Holy Spirit to convict me. I needed another voice to speak into me. But I could be renewed with love. That's what God's wanting us to do. Francis Chan, which is one of our resources called Crazy Love on our Right Now Media platform that you can watch videos on how to integrate love into your life, says this, the fact is I need God to help me love God. And if I need his help to love him, a perfect being, I definitely need his help to love other fault-filled humans. We need this love of another kind. But here's the good news, Romans 5. I've been saying it the whole time. I'm showing you the proof text right now. This love, God's love has been poured into our hearts through what? The Holy Spirit. And if we acknowledge Christ and we rely on this Holy Spirit, then what happens is after it's poured into our hearts, it overflows. And let me show you quickly some passages that prove it overflows because you've experienced it. When we overflow with his love, we experience joy. Your joy will overflow. When we experience his love being poured into us, we experience hope. This hope comes out of this love. When we experience this love being poured into us, we experience this willingness to be rich in our generosity. But it only happens when this love pours into us and we allow it. Paul asked and said that he was praying for those. Look what Paul prayed for. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and more. Paul said again, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. 
I love where David says it. Most of us know Psalm 23 or somewhat even aware that it exists. And if you don't, read Psalm 23. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He goes on and on and says, even in the shadow of the valley of death, you're with me. He goes on to say, even at the table of my enemies, you're with me. You guide, you protect. And in the end, he says this, because of all that, God, regardless of any circumstances, in the psalm, the summation is this, my cup still overflows. That's what his love does, if we allow it. So as we close today, I want you to know you're going to hear a line over and over again out of Gary's mouth, and it may frustrate you or annoy you, but it's only possible if from this love of another kind. The line goes like this, when you love like Jesus loves, you'll live like Jesus lives, but this is only possible with the love of another kind. And I want you to figure out right now, where are you stuck with this love? We've given you a cup to analyze your cup of love. And where are you stuck? And there's some uh, questions I want you to consider. One question in particular, what hinders this kind of love from flowing in you and from you? What does? Is it that you don't understand it? There's an ignorance? I hope you've heard of the enormity of his love today for you. I hope you heard that if you acknowledge the love of Christ, it will pour out by a spirit into you. Maybe you don't have an ignorance issue and it's, it's not an understanding issue, it's a receiving issue. You still think you're not good enough for all that love. But while we we're still sinners, he died for us. You're good enough. You don't have to earn it. Or maybe it's you have it, it's in you, and you just forget. And you get caught up in other things. Or you're fearful, like, oh, do I really have to dispense love to them? I don't like those people. They make me nervous. Or is it, you're just not focused in too many other things. Or how about this? It seems unfair. It's not up there. It's unfair that you would have to pour out love. But it was unfair what God did for us. I love how there's real people, and we'll close with this, that have been touched by this love. There's two people, Scott and Miriam, who have been touched by this love, who are part of our community. It's amazing that Scott would hold a sign up that says, God loves you, because for 40-some years, he never believed that. His uh, brother had been killed when he was a young age, and so his reaction is, there is no God who is loving, because my brother was murdered, and it was unknown what happened to him. But Scott in his 40s started to hang out at the community center, and he started to read a Dale Carnegie book at one point that said, maybe you should read the Bible on one of the pages. It says, if one of the advice in the book was, you should, people who have anxiety should read the Bible. And so he gave the Bible a chance. He put it on double speed in his car and he listened to it for a long time because the Bible's long. And in the end, he realized this, God was really angry at some people. But then he loves them. And wow, Jesus, Jesus is amazing. But that didn't do it. Later on, he had to have a friend who showed him what love had really done and explain the gospel to him. And Scott in his 40s came to open himself up to acknowledge God. It took away a ton of his anxiety. And now his favorite thing is to find people who have fear and anxiety and spend time with them and help them talk it through. It's changed the way he approaches people in life. Miriam, somebody else. Miriam came to us through tragedy. Her son-in-law-to-be was electrocuted as an electrician on the job. She came here about a week or so later. 
She'd grown up in a Muslim Mormon home and she was confused and really felt like God had forgotten her, especially during that event. When she gets here, though, somehow the enormous love of God, I don't see it when I'm in here, but she felt it, touched her. And she says for the last year and a half, when she comes here, she cries, and that love carries her through. Her heart has totally changed. She said she could have never, ever dealt with people who had grief or tragedy And now she wades right in because she's got these buckets of love that she's got and just wants to share them with other people because she goes, I know the love of God. She works in our children's ministry now because her son-in-law who died loved kids. And so she wants to serve God in that way to pass on her son-in-law's legacy. That's either torture or that's living out of a love of another kind. I want to leave you with some resources and one prayer. You can see the resources on the screen. You can find them on our web. The books are in the back, our Right Now Media platform. But here's a prayer because I want to lead you into communion right now. And this prayer is simple as this. God, help me to receive your love today so I can overflow and live and love like you. I want you to consider, as the band comes forward now and we head to communion, I want you to consider saying that prayer as you come. And when you come today, I want you to take his body, which was broken for you, and dip it in to the juice that represents his blood that was shed for you so that you could have a relationship with him and that love would be poured out into your soul. And I'm gonna ask you today when you come to actually take it and walk away Don't linger, but go sit in your seat and sit in the love of God and hold this and take it when you're ready. Does that make sense? So often our typical typical approach is to come, we linger, we take time. Just come, take and receive, walk back and just sit in his love as the music washes over you about it. And then when you're ready, take and receive Use that prayer as a guide. Father, we acknowledge you did it. And we forget. Thanks, thank you for the enormity of your sacrifice that opened up the floodgates and pour into our hearts. May we acknowledge it today. And then, Lord, may we rely on it and ask for help as we move forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We believe you're here for a reason, and we would love to connect with you more. Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for We Are PCC.